0: Name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit and the church cry out, Come, Lord Jesus. All those who await his appearance pray, Come, Lord Jesus. The whole creation pleads, Come, Lord Jesus. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous
1: branch. This is the day by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness.
0: In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely.
1: This is the day the which He will be called. The
0: Lord is our righteousness. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ,
1: have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon
2: us.
0: The Lord be with you. And
2: also with you.
0: Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we implore you to hear our prayers and to lighten the darkness of our hearts by your gracious visitation. Where you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Word of God for our meditation this third week of Advent under the theme of the sanctity of life, is recorded in the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, under the theme, Raised at Christ's Coming. St. Paul writes, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, Concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then... We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Over the last several weeks, while meditating upon the sanctity of life, we heard the words of St. Paul in Athens, in the Areopagus, make the argument that we are all born of one blood. We are all descendants of Adam, which means that we are all related And it also means that we who are created in the image of the triune God of love have a life given to us that is holy and sacred. And that is true even of those who do not believe in Christ. For the whole of the human race is created by God. And all of human life is sacred. In God, we live and move and have our being, St. Paul argued there on the Areopagus, and he told them, as some of your own poets have written. You see, a lot of people have aspects of the truth, like you know it is wrong to murder. It's written in the human heart. It's part of the natural law you know that it is wrong to steal, to commit adultery. You don't have to be a believer to know that. Because we who are formed of one blood, descendants of Adam, have the law written on our hearts whether we believe in Jesus or not. But for us who believe in Jesus, the understanding of the sanctity of life comes to its fullest expression as we confess that the Son of God became flesh. As the Apostle John would record in his first chapter of the Gospel, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The glory of God is manifest in that God became One with our flesh, with our blood. How holy and sacred life is, created in the image of God, that when Adam and Eve rebelled against Him, God still became one with our flesh to redeem us. Last week, we meditated upon how we were formed in the lowest parts of the earth, our mother's womb, intricately woven there, fearfully, and wonderfully made. How the Lord knows everything about us and he looks upon us with omniscient love. Who can fathom this? That he knows our lying down, our rising up. He understands our thoughts from afar. He knows the words that are on our lips before we even speak them. How great is God's knowledge and understanding and wisdom and power, but even more, how great is his love. For the word became flesh and dwelt among us. It is what we are preparing to celebrate in just a short time at the end of Advent, the birth of the Son of God in human flesh. There is nothing that declares the sanctity more vividly and powerfully. Than the incarnation of the Son of God, he who created, became one with our flesh. And he who created and became one with our flesh took the burden of our sin upon himself. And he went to the cross, and he died and he rose again. Now this is all an introduction to the words of St. Paul to the Thessalonians, And they are words intended to be of inestimable comfort for the Christian in the face of the death of loved ones. Beloved brothers and sisters in the faith who have gone on before us, who have fallen asleep in death, we grieve, but not as those who have no hope. About a week before Jesus entered into Jerusalem. You may remember that he went to Bethany, which is a short distance from Jerusalem, because Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, had not only fallen ill, but he had died. And Jesus was not there when he died. And by the time Jesus arrived in Bethany, he had been in the grave for four days. And when Jesus then went to Bethany and he visited with Mary and Martha, he said to them, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And when Mary greeted him, And seeing the sorrow of those women and of the mourners there, Jesus himself wept, even though he knew in moments he would call Lazarus forth from the grave. This is all of the context in which, then, St. Paul speaks these words to the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 the catechesis before you in the brief outline makes six simple points. And the first point is that everyone is sorrowful. We even see the sorrow of Jesus in him weeping at the death of Lazarus. It indicates that he himself bore our sorrows. Everything that causes grief and sadness in our life. Everyone is sorrowful when a loved one dies Even believers, not just unbelievers. And why is this? It goes back to what we have been highlighting over these weeks in Advent. Because we are created to love. God is love. And when he created us in his image, he created us to be like he is and to do like he does. Oh, yes, to be sure, sin has turned us in upon ourselves and interrupted that love but we were created to love. And even the unbeliever knows that sacrifices of love that are made so that another might live are of a higher moral virtue than the love that only thinks of oneself. We grieve at the death of loved ones because they have loved us and we have loved them, and we are shorn from that love and that communion of love. We are created to be in communion with one another. This is why it is so very important that we emphasize over and over again that we are created in the image of the triune God of love, this community of loving persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Even before the creation of the heavens and the earth, there was a community of love, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we are created in His image. It is why it hurts so much When a loved one dies. Because for the rest of our lives in this world, we will not share in that blessed communion that we once enjoyed with them. So when Paul writes these words to the Thessalonians, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who have no hope, as if this life is all there is. You live for 60, 70, 80, 90 years, you die, and there's nothing left. That's not what we believe as Christians. That's what St. Paul is saying. We have hope. We have hope in the resurrection, and we have hope in the life after death, where there will be communion with God the Holy Trinity, and with one another who have died in the Lord, a communion that will never end. So St. Paul says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, which we do, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. That leads to the second point on your outline. Believers in Christ grieve, but we do so in the certain hope of Christ's coming and the resurrection from the dead. Certain hope. Not wishful thinking. Certain hope. That's what the word of the gospel gives us. When he forgives our sins and calls us to faith, that is a living faith. that is a powerful faith. And out of faith is born hope. The sure and certain conviction of the resurrection of the body and everlasting life, that Jesus will come again in glory, that where He is, there I will be also. Why does this give comfort to our grief? Because Jesus died and rose again, He took away our sin. That is at the heart of the Christian faith, every aspect of Christian doctrine. The reason there's death is because of the problem of sin. The reason there's broken relationships is because of the problem of sin. The reason why there's a severing of friendships in this life is because of the problem of sin. The reason we shed bitter tears is because of the problem of sin. You take away the problem of sin and all of the tears of sorrow go away. And there's new life through the death of Christ. Because in that death, he made atonement for sin He took away the sin, and the result of death is life. There is impossible for it to be any other thing. And his resurrection means that we will rise from the dead because we're joined to his death, and we're joined to his resurrection and holy baptism, and therefore we have the sure and certain conviction of the resurrection from the dead. At the second coming of Christ, our bodies will rise from the dead and our communion with God and one another in the love of God of the Lord will be restored. It is what we look forward to. One of the things that has troubled me over the years, maybe you've heard it in sermons at funerals, where there is a blurring of resurrection and the soul being with the Lord. Every one of us in this room has known loved ones who have died in the faith. Their soul is with the Lord, but they have not been raised from the dead yet. Their body sleeps in death. Their soul is with the Lord. As Jesus said to the malefactor on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. But that's not the end to die and have one's soul go to be with the Lord, that's that's not the fullness of our salvation. The fullness of our salvation is when the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ rise and the body and the soul is reunited and the mortal flesh puts on immortality and the corruptible flesh puts on incorruption. Then will be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. This is important because you and I as human beings, whose life is sacred because it was created by God and it was redeemed by the blood of Christ, to be a human being is not just to be a disembodied soul, To be a human being is to be body and soul. You and I know one another because of who we are in the flesh. As we see one another and look into one another's eyes, as we speak to one another and share the communion of one another's voice, in marriage you embrace one another in love. There's the giving and receiving of love in marriage that is a physical thing. This is sacred and this is holy. We're not going to be simply embracing a ghost or some disembodied spirit. What we long for is to embrace again those loved ones that we have known but have been taken from us in death. The prophet Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and even though the worms will destroy my body as by." As my flesh rots in the grave, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes will behold him, not another, because I will be raised from the dead. How my heart yearns within me, he says. To sleep in Jesus means that we have died, and our souls are at rest with Jesus, free from the labor of sin, to await the resurrection of our bodies from the dead. We don't believe in soul sleep. When the scriptures use the term sleep here, it refers to the body who will no longer be toiling under the burden of sin. No longer any disease, no longer any viruses, no longer any pandemics, no longer any nearsightedness, no longer any hard of hearing, No longer any ALS or paralysis. All of that is a result of sin. The flesh will put on immortality. When the body is laid to rest in the grave, it's called a sleep. Because for us as Christians, since Jesus has conquered death, when we die, it is nothing to be feared any more than laying down to take a rest at night. And that body rests from the toil of sin until the day the trumpet sounds and we are raised from the dead body. Number four, in the language of St. Paul, he says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. He will descend with a shout, the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. Those actually aren't three separate and distinct things. But the shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, is Jesus coming again in glory. And in this one glorious moment, which St. Paul says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the dead will rise. This mortal flesh will put on immortality. This corruptible flesh will put on incorruption. Then will be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Why will there be a shout and the trumpet call of God and the voice of the archangel when Jesus comes again in glory? because Jesus has won the victory. He's won the victory over sin and death upon the cross, and the result of that victory is resurrection. First, Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, and then when our earthly sojourn is complete, we shall rise from the dead. It is because the Lord's shout in the voice of the archangel calls forth those dead bodies from the grave and reunites them with their souls, free of sin, free of corruption, because sin and death is no more. Those who have previously died, slept, will rise first, and then, if we happen to remain, we will join them in the resurrection, and we will be transformed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, from corruption to incorruption, from mortality to immortality. And why is there a shout in the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God? because it is a celebration of eternal life. Eternal life, body and soul. Can you imagine a loved one whom you have loved with all your heart, who has been dead for some time, walking in the door tonight and standing before you with a smile on his face? How you would rejoice with joy inexpressible. Multiply that a hundredfold. Except it's not merely a return to life, it is resurrection, to immortality, and incorruptibility. Not for a day, or a week, or a month, or a year, or a 70, or an 80, or a 90 lifetime, but for all eternity, to enjoy what God intended for us in the flesh, from the foundation of the world, to have communion and life with him that would never end. That's why there is the shout and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God because it will be a glorious celebration. The resurrection of the body declares that human life is holy and sacred because the Son of God became man to be born the same as you were, to live with all of the things that you and I live with that are the struggles of life, the crosses of life, the suffering of life. He became man to suffer. How greatly he must love you. And he became man to die for us upon the cross, to reconcile us to the Father. He ascended bodily into heaven for us. He remains not only true God, but true man for us today, never to die again at the Father's right hand, and we, body and soul, shall share fully in his resurrection to eternal life. And as the ascension colic says, grant we pray, Almighty God, that as we believe your only begotten Son to have ascended in heaven, so may we also in heart and mind ascend and continually dwell there with him. Now it is by faith on the last day in the resurrection body and soul, we shall be seated with him at the Father's right hand and all of the enemies of sin, death, Satan, and hell will be under our feet. The resurrection of the body declares that human life is holy and sacred because we shall forever be with the Lord and one another in the communion of his love. No wonder the ancient prophet Job well over 2,000 years before Jesus' death and resurrection, confesses that his Redeemer lives and how his heart yearns within him for that day. St. Paul wants us to know clearly and unmistakably what our future is. And he also wants us to understand and know and confess that all of human life is sacred. And in testimony to that, Jesus rose from the dead. Comfort one another with these words. Because the separation of body from soul, of loved ones from one another, is only temporary. The present sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. The glory of eternal life and fellowship with God that will never end. Comfort one another with these words, because the life we have with God and one another in Jesus is greater than any other gift we can possibly enjoy, or any other gift we can possibly share with one another. In the name of Jesus. We continue with the next hymn. Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you and justly deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the Word, announce the grace of God unto all of you, And in this stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, by your word and Holy Spirit, Comfort all who are in sorrow or need, sickness or adversity, especially Duane Perry, hospitalized with complications of diabetes, with all those suffering and recovering from the coronavirus within our congregation and extended family. Louise Johnson and Dan Schmidt recuperating from knee surgery. Carl Dewey in in in-home care. Jeremy LaFore and his family as he battles ALS. Jim Nietzsche, Brian Nienabor, Roger Laubenstein, Jill Franklin, and Allison Whitty in treatment for cancer. Be with those who suffer persecution for the faith. Have mercy on those to whom death draws near. Bring consolation to those in sorrow and grant to all a measure of your love taking them into your tender care. We remember with thanksgiving those who have loved and served you in your church on earth, who now rest from their labors, especially Lois Verge, the mother of our brother Jim. Comfort their family with the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. Keep us in fellowship with all your saints And bring us at last to the joys of your heavenly kingdom. O Lord, Heavenly Father, we gratefully remember the sufferings and death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Rejoicing in his victorious resurrection from the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you, where he ever stands for us as our own high priest. Gather us together from the ends of the earth, to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers. Deliver and preserve us. For to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you.
1: And also
0: with you. Lift up your hearts. The Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It
1: is, right to give him thanks and grace.
0: it is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, whose wage on the Baptist prepared Proclaiming him the promised Messiah, the very Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And calling sinners to repentance, that they might escape from the wrath to be revealed when he comes again in glory. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. Lord God of Sabaoth, Heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of all creation. For you have had mercy on us and given your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In your boundless mercy you sent your servant John the Baptist to proclaim that in Christ the kingdom of heaven draws near. With thankful hearts we pray, come, Lord Jesus, confident that in his body and blood given us to eat and to drink, we receive the forgiveness of sins and so proclaim his death until he comes again in glory. Hear us as we pray in His name and as He has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. O Christ, thou Lamb of God that takest away the sin of the world, have have mercy upon us. O Christ, thou Lamb of God that takest away the sin of the world, have have mercy upon us. O Christ, thou Lamb of God that takest away the sin of the world, grant us thy peace. Amen. Amen. Please come forward in groups of about ten. We'll be offering both individual and common. The body of Christ. straight Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good.
1: And his mercy endures forever.
0: Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come. In the Holy Supper of your Son's body and blood, keep us firm in the true faith throughout our days of pilgrimage. That on the day of his coming, we may, together with all your saints, Celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you